Hey everyone, I'm Brenda and I'm Julia and you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. This podcast was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roaring 20s Podcast. Today, we have on with us Miss America 2020, Camille Schreier. Hi, Camille. Hello. How are you guys? We're good. We are so excited. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. This is so fun. Yeah, this is going to be so fun. We're going to talk about all things confidence, comparison, beauty standard, body image, all that good stuff. And some stuff, of course, about Camille's mission. She's incredible. I can't wait till we get all into it. But first off, Camille, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you, who you are, where you're from, and how old you are since it's growing 20s. Okay, so I am 25. I'll be 26 in June. I grew up in Pennsylvania outside of Philadelphia. And I was always just kind of a tiny science nerd who loved everything related to science um, and really STEM in general. I loved math too. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I ended up going to college to be an engineer at first and then transferred colleges and switched my major. Ended up studying biochemistry and systems biology. Still kind of didn't know what I wanted to do. So I went to pharmacy school. Uh, And that was because I had had an internship in a pharmaceutical company. So now I'm in a doctor of pharmacy program. But in the midst of that, I decided kind of on a whim to compete for Miss Virginia. And I won. And then I won Miss America. And so I've taken two years off of school to complete those two terms. And um, now I'm back in Richmond, Virginia with my dog and my two cats. And I'm working for myself and and kind of getting myself ready to go back to school in August again and finally, finally finish all of my education. (laughs) Yes. Does that ever get old being called like Miss America? It doesn't. um, I'm so used to it now. It's just, it is very cool. The interesting part is that, you know, I like that people associate that with who I am, but as I grow older, I hope that people know me for lots of other really cool things. It's a great springboard, but I want to be known as Camille first and then get to tell them all of the cool things that I got to do when I was Miss America. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah, we talk a lot, like so much actually about identity on the podcast and like how we associate ourselves with certain things or how other people see us and all that stuff and how that kind of impacts the way we see ourselves. So I'm sure we'll get into all those things, but it's so, so cool. Like what an opportunity, what an interesting story. And I guess with that, tell us a little bit about your story. So was being Miss America ever part of your dream and how did you actually get into that in the first place? Yeah, this is funny because the answer is no, it was never part of my dream. (laughs) I did pageants as a teenager Mm. and the ones that I did were not what the typical perception of pageants are. I learned how to interview. I learned how to speak on stage in front of a few hundred people at like age 14, which is something that not a lot of 14 year olds or young adults can do with confidence. And that was something that I needed to learn how to do and was a way for me to gain that confidence and put me kind of ahead of the curve in terms of in comparison with my peers where they were at with public speaking and confidence. That was a really great opportunity. It was not toddlers and tiaras, which is what everyone associates with pageants and that word in general. I got to kind of learn how to put myself together. That's also another skill. Like, what do I wear in a job interview? How do I do my hair? Do I have to put makeup on? Like, how do I do that? Yeah. So that was really effective when I then went to college and, and needed to get internships and those types of things. The answer is I never expected that that would turn into Miss America because there's lots of different competitions in the country. Miss America and Miss USA are usually the two that people know the most and are the most commonly known. Uh, but Miss America is the original. It's a hundred years old and it was never something I saw myself in for a few reasons. They had traditionally had a swimsuit competition for, I mean, 98 of the 99 years yeah. that it existed or 98 of the 100 years, there's only been two Miss America competitions without a swimsuit. Mine was one of them. Wow. I wasn't super interested in doing swimsuit on stage, not because I care if another girl gets up on stage in a swimsuit. She can totally do whatever she wants. I just didn't really want to do that myself. And I didn't have or didn't think I had (laughs) 
a performing talent, which is so funny because now that's become kind of my claim to fame in this because my talent was a science demonstration, which is not only true to who I am, but like wildly different than the norm. But I don't sing or dance or play an instrument or do baton twirling or ventriloquism, which are the more traditional talents that we've seen for the past probably 30 to 50 years. Not always true in the deep, deep history of Miss America. There's women that have done really unique things, especially when the competition first started, which I find fascinating because that's something that I love. Love that. But so it was funny, I was in grad school and I ended up, this is always how you end up as Miss America. You're, you're in grad school, right? And you're, you're kind of stressed. And so I was I was on Facebook during lunch and there was an ad for, oh my gosh. sign up for this competition that leads to Miss Virginia. Uh, we need more people. It's in two weeks. And I was like, oh, this sounds like a great idea. <laughs> and so uh, I called my mom. I'm like, mom, I think I'm going to do this competition that goes to Miss Virginia. She's like, no, what are you going to do for a talent? <laughs> I was like, I'm going to order some chemicals. I'm going to do a science demonstration. Like, I think I know what I'm going to do. It's going to be really cool. Everyone might hate it, but I don't really care because I'm just going to do it because I'm about to be too old. Yes. You age out when you turn, when you are in the age group where you turn 25 to 26 is when you start to age out. And I ordered everything off of Amazon and I drove my little self down to the competition. Like, I'm going to lose, but I'm just going to go have fun. And I won. And I was like, oh my gosh, I won like $600. I can pay for my books for the semester. Like it was a whole thing. And eight weeks later was Miss Virginia. And my mom's like really competitive, but in like a really positive way. And she's like, she's like, you can win this. And I'm like, love it. My mom, you biased. Like, come right. on. You, of course, mom. Of course. We're in this to win it. And I prepared and I, I got myself together. I changed my demonstration a little bit. So it was a little bit more engaging. Worked on my interview, really fleshed out everything that I needed really quickly in eight weeks. Uh, and I won Miss Virginia. <laughs> and then six months later, after being Miss Virginia for six months and driving around my state, talking to little kiddos in schools about drugs and alcohol of all things, which I'll talk about in a little bit because that's what I work on. Um, Then I won Miss America. And that was the most unexpected turn of events that that Facebook ad could have turned into. But it almost was like, for some reason, the universe was like, hey, you're the person to do this right now. And I just wanted to like remind you of that and then put me in the situation so that things worked out not only in my favor, but gave me the opportunity to showcase the pieces of myself that I was proud of and was wanted to, to spotlight and didn't put me in a situation where I had to spotlight things like my body that were areas of difficulty for me. Uh, and that's not true for every woman, but for me, that would have not been a healthy decision. A lot of people think that my decision to not compete in swimsuit has to do with either religion or you know my morals or something like that and it's it's solely because of body image and body image issues and and just choosing giving myself the option to choose to not be judged on my body absolutely but that was very freeing is the word that i like to use in that so that's my kind of my journey in this this was never a long-term goal but a beneficial surprise (laughs) yeah I think it's you know it's a great story when people need to hear that like sometimes you just have to take the leap like you might not know why and it might not make sense in the plan that you set out for yourself or the trajectory that you think your life's going to take you on but sometimes you might get a feeling and you might just have to take the leap because you never know I'm I'm usually not that person which is the funny thing like I'm very like play it safe like calculated I think it's the scientist in me is like take calculated risks for sure but also don't like kind of the assessing every situation for optimizing your energy and time like I don't want to waste my time I don't want to waste my emotional energy and if there's not a potential growth outcome in this like what I didn't really ever even think about those things. It was like one of the few things I did in my life where I was just like, I'm going to do this just because I want to. And there's nothing to lose. There really is nothing to lose by just trying. And I'm glad that I did that because it was kind of out of character for me and probably was my life lesson in just jump in and it'll really all work out. Absolutely. And I love that you mentioned that thing about the universe, some, like somehow having a grander plan for you. We talk yes. about that a lot here because I feel like especially 
I'm sure this is lifelong, but being that we are also in our twenties and the same age as you, I feel like we, you know, we work to be students and then we work to get a job and there, everything is fairly, even if it's not certain, you know, it's somewhat calculated. So after graduation or in grad school or wherever it is that people are in their mid twenties, especially there's so much that's like, you're working towards a certain thing and you want to be the most successful and you want to have all this stuff to show and share. So to do something, not only that's out of character, but to do something that, you know, you're not certain what'll come out of it, but kind of just going with your gut and trusting. And, um, especially if it's something that eventually turned into this, um, but Julie and I have been discussing a lot that like, there's so much that happens that we don't know why it happens in the moment, but we've more recently, I want to say shifted our mindsets that really everything does serve a purpose. So it's, it's, it's so cool to hear that from your specific story, because I'm sure it'll inspire our listeners um, Know that sometimes opportunities do knock when we least expect them. That's so true. And it's funny that you say that because thinking about being a grad student and doing something like this, I wasn't sure how the academic people around me were going to react to doing something which was traditionally always seen as a beauty pageant, which it really isn't anymore. And the funniest thing was my professors and my university were so thrilled by this entire prospect, mostly because I was advocating for a, a cause that was related to healthcare. But some of my biggest critics were my own peers who said that I was unfocused um, and who thought I was distracting from my academics and career success by doing something like that. And I lost some friends over that, which was interesting to think about. But conversely, looking back, doing this gave me, I mean, I use the word extracurricular, but really resume building career opportunities that I would have never gotten in the classroom. And so that's another thing that I would say is that if you are thinking of taking a risk and doing something outside of work or school or those type of traditional things, sometimes those things can actually benefit your career in the long term because you have breadth of experience and perspective that other people wouldn't have. Absolutely. And it's it's such an interesting point, especially at this age, we so often do things because we, you know, because that's what our parents want for us or our teachers want for us or our mentors want for us or what we think we should be doing. And sometimes, you know, only you are going to know what's best for you a lot of the time. And like, if other people don't like that, that's about them. It has no (laughs) on you, but it's interesting because it leads us to, we want to talk to you about confidence. And I feel like having to take that leap and having maybe some pushback from your peers, from other people in your life, how have you cultivated the confidence to just like do what feels true to you? And as well, like through the pageants, how has that helped you Mm -hmm. gain confidence? I know you talked about like interview skills, stuff like that. Yeah, I think that talking about just in general confidence in presenting myself, Mm -hmm. confidence, I think, oftentimes comes from practice Mm. and experience. And so knowing how to navigate difficult situations, navigating difficult questions and how to answer things that maybe you don't really know the answer to, but you have to give an answer to. That's a great skill to have. And it it seems funny. That's like the traditional thought process of like, oh, it's a pageant. You think of those YouTube videos of the girls that get asked a question and it goes south. But knowing how to navigate a situation like that in the public eye is critical and really helpful in a workplace situation. But even just being able to get up on a stage and speak without being terrified, that comes with practice. And so competing in these competitions um, from a teenager on has given me practice that some of my peers don't have. And so when I then walk into a company, I, if I have to make a presentation or if I'm doing something, you know, in an internship or an event that I now go to, which is, I do a lot of speaking engagements now, I just, I'm a lot more comfortable because I'm confident in the skills that I have. But self-confidence, I think is a a separate thing from that because you can be even a not so self-confident person, but project a confidence in speaking because it's kind of like a performance. It would be like if you're an actor and you're actually a really, you don't have a lot of self-esteem as a person, but you're a really great performer. You can do those things simultaneously. Very true. Um, So the self-confidence piece has, I mean, always been something that, you know, we all struggle with that in some ways and my self-confidence has grown through this, but I feel like, I feel like my situation is a little bit different because I'm really lucky because every time that I did something that was authentically myself, I was rewarded with success. 
that's not always true and that's not always reality. So I have to put a giant asterisk there because sometimes you do things that are authentically yourself and you will fail and it will it will turn out terribly. But I am incredibly lucky that it was rewarded with me becoming a local title holder than Miss Virginia, than Miss America. So that's been a lot easier for me to just kind of jump into being comfortable with exactly who I am than facing rejection for that because oftentimes that's what happens. But even with what I have done, even being authentically myself, there's still tons of critics. Uh, being in the public eye, I get always will be tons of really angry internet trolls who just have nothing better to do, honestly, than try to figure out things that I'm doing wrong. And I think that that's the mindset that I've taken on is if, you know, there's a, a quote that I love so much, which is never take criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from because that one. you're not going to take, you know, a, a suggestion from someone, then don't take a suggestion from them. So don't exactly. do something different. Right? Yeah. So, especially one of the things that I've learned in, you know, I'm not a giant influencer, but becoming Miss America is a very unique type of being a public figure because it's a historical role that people look upon and expect a certain thing from. And oftentimes I'm not exactly what they're expecting, which is fine with me. Honestly, I like, I like changing people's perception about Miss America, but I am very cognizant of the fact that not everyone's going to like me. And that's true about everything. There's never going to be a situation where every single person likes you. That's just not reality. And I think that that gives me confidence because even if I did everything that I thought everyone wanted me to do, still not everyone's going to like me. And so better off to just do exactly what I want to do within reason, of course, don't be mean to people just because you want to like, (laughs) but like within reason, just be yourself and especially navigating social media. That's hard with that as well. Even just, I've struggled like expressing myself and my own personality in an organic way on my social media because I like don't really, I'm like, what do I do? Like, I'm still learning. And I think that we're all kind of learning how to do those things, but the more I do this, the more confidence I get in who I am, how to project myself in a way that's authentic um, to the person that's inside of me and just kind of staying grounded in who I am in this cool job that I get to do. Um, But yeah, confidence is something that comes with experience and time and honestly is a continuing project for all of us. Here's a little something that you may or may not know about me. I don't sleep well. No, I'm a horrid, horrid sleeper. But I'm really good at staying awake and staring at my ceiling and having anxiety and thinking about everything that one could possibly think about when you're supposed to be going to bed. So I'm always looking for new ways to get my shit together because it's not fun. You know, my head hits the pillow, bam, my mind is racing. I'm sure some of you can relate. Yeah fucking sucks. Fortunately, I finally found something that helps. I found Sunday Scaries and realized that they make products specifically for overthinkers and night owls like me. Hello, drag me through the mud for the overthinking. Sunday Scaries CBD gummies help me decompress, clear my head, and fall asleep so I can actually wake up and be a fully functioning human being and do all the cool good shit that I gotta do. So, Let me tell you, there is no risk to buy. This company offers 100% lifetime money back guarantee. If the product's not for you, that's okay. You'll get your money back. Sunday Scaries is in the stress relieving business, not the stress causing business. Thank you, Sunday Scaries. And just because I like them so much, we got you 25% off to prove it. All you have to do is go visit sundayscaries.com. Use our promo code 20s for your discount. That's promo code 20s, T-W-E-N-T-I-E-S for 25% off. Yes, 25% off at sundayscaries.com. You're effing amazing. You won't regret joining the squad. Head over to sundayscaries.com. Use our promo code 20s and get yourself some incredible Sunday Scaries CBD gummies. And if you're sleeping better, you're welcome. You're so welcome. Go use that promo code now and fix your life. Okay, bye. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned um, the somewhat people pleasing type of thing and accepting that everyone's going to like you because I think expectations are so huge. Like if we have this expectation, which sometimes a lot of us do that, you know, you're supposed to be this quote unquote perfect version of yourself when that version is different to everyone, you know, how are you going to check off all those boxes? So setting off that expectation of like, I, of course, I'm going to lead with kindness, but it's important to do what is important to us and being authentic. And we talk a lot about what you said with the like 
the more that you live authentically, the more not only aligned you feel, but often you're rewarded in different ways that you wouldn't have expected if you were trying to meet someone else's expectations. So that's so, so powerful. And what would you say? I feel like a lot of people in their 20s, especially because we're kind of identifying who we are and what we want to do and how that plays a role in the world, come up against a lot of self-doubt and fear and all that stuff, what would be your top tips for people that come up against those things? Um, And what was like the most transformative tool in you cultivating your own self-belief as another tip? Mm, That's a hard question. I know. I know. (laughs) Sorry. But I did say that I can answer questions that I don't always know the answer. I'm practicing right Um, now. She's doing it. I think that the biggest tool to kind of get through self-doubt in difficult times is to find people older than you who have gone through similar situations to learn from. I'm Oh, I like that one. Yeah. I'm always someone who I feel like I'm not the first person to go through this. Like if I have an issue, like this is a dumb example, but I'm like, okay, how do I edit a TikTok video? Right. I'm like, I'm not the first person to ask the question of how to edit a TikTok video. So I'm going to, instead of trying to sit here for four hours and figure out how to do it, I'm just going to look it up and watch a tutorial on how to edit a TikTok video. (laughs) So I think that that's kind of how I approach other issues with my life is like, oh my gosh, how am I going to manage this career trajectory of like, how am I going to integrate my skill sets and make myself unique in a workplace? I don't know how to do this. And I'm like, wait, I'm not the first person to go through this. Every single person goes through these issues. So let me just find someone with a similar interest and background that I have and go ask them what they did because they probably had the same question. And that's a much easier tool because they figured out the things that work and don't work probably at that time. So I think having mentors is important. Um, people that you can kind of bounce ideas off of and use kind of as your advisors is something that helps you get through those difficult moments because it's a lot different when someone says, oh, I went through that problem too. And so did my other friend. But what my friend figured out was that if you did this, this, and this, it's going to help you not get into that situation again. I like to learn from other people. I It's probably why I didn't really love being an engineer. I started as an engineer in college, which is kind of those people that want to tinker with things and figure out the new way to do things. I'm like, let's just go with what's been done. Like, let's just let's just pick up where we where somebody left off and just continue on. Like, we don't need to reinvent the wheel here. Different way of thinking. Different way. Different way of thinking. Which honestly is just you have to figure out how you think. And so that's always what I fall back on. I think, what was your, what was the second part of your question that I didn't know how to answer? The tool for self-doubt, but I think that you answered it. Yeah, I think you did. Okay. I was going to say that is, that's my extrapolated answer of, of how I do things. Um, But but self-doubt can be hard. And it's, again, it's one of those things. It's like, you're normal. I go through it. I'm sure that your favorite influencer on Instagram goes through it. Like, everybody does to just having people in your life that that can support you and be around you when you go through those periods of time and remind you that you're awesome. Love it. And kind of in hand with that, being in competition with other women, what was that experience like in terms of like comparison? Mm -hmm. And how did you stay grounded with going back kind of to that authenticity piece of not feeding into that that competition even though you are in a literal competition you know what i mean yeah that's true and that's a good question i think you have to go in with the right mindset Mm -hmm. and you can it's funny you can tell during competition weeks who has what mindset Mm -hmm. um I went in with the mindset of I literally won't lose anything if I come out of here in last place. Do I want to win? Of course I want to win. Everybody wants to win and everyone has the right to want to win. But in reality, it's up to the opinions of three to five strangers that you've never met before who have 10 minutes to meet you and then watch you on stage a couple times to like come up with who they think is the best person for the job. So if that's if they don't choose me and they choose someone else, like that's really okay because it's not like, it's not an issue with me as a person. And in a lot of these situations, the women that can, I mean, both when I went to Miss Virginia and Miss America, you're competing against some some boss women, like who are really accomplished for being in their twenties. And so it can be intimidating. Like I definitely felt intimidated at times. Like how in the world am I even in a place here? But never really felt like a, trip each other down the stairs kind of thing. No one was ever in that kind of a mindset, but a lot of women were really focused on winning Mm. instead of having a great time that week. And I always would make that joke that was like, you know what? I can only control one thing this week, which is if I have fun. (laughs) If I have fun and I win, then it's a win-win. If I don't have fun, 
and I don't win, then it's a lose-lose situation. So it's let's at least have fun. Then if I lose, then I still have fun. You know what I mean? And even at Miss America, I went home as Miss Virginia, for goodness sake, if I didn't win. So I was like, there's really nothing to lose. But I was really focused on not trying to let other people, especially those who had more experience than me competing, because it was my first time in the Miss America organization, competing for Miss Virginia and Miss America, of course especially not letting those who had more experience than me make me feel inferior for some reason. Because at the end of the day, when you walk in that room with the judges, they don't know who's there for the first time or who's done this for seven years. It's really just, can you sell yourself? I was very focused on it from a job perspective. And if you look at it like a job interview, what can I offer to this job that the woman sitting next to me, even though she might be amazing and she's talented and she's beautiful and she's well-spoken what can i offer that she can't offer what makes me a unique person for this role we just did a whole episode on this there you go and if you think of it that way it takes the like personal perspective out of it like oh my gosh girl i love you you're awesome you're so amazing but i i could offer something that they couldn't and vice versa if i didn't win i'd be like oh well she can just offer they wanted something that she could offer that i couldn't offer which is totally fine. Yes. And I, I love that you said that. And I think that it shows very much where your mindset was and where it is and like what areas you focused on in your life. Because I think a lot of times we can live our lives very passively and not be intentional about acknowledging that, you know, someone else's superpower, which is what we did an episode on, doesn't diminish our own. It's just different. It's just unique in itself. It's just unique True. to them. And that in itself, especially when it comes to competition, it doesn't take away from our own worth. And I think that that's so clear about your journey is that through this whole process, I think it could have been, I don't want to say easy, but it it could have been possible to, you know, to blame yourself if you didn't win, to feel like you weren't good enough, beautiful enough, smart enough, unique enough, whatever. But instead recognizing that like different circumstances come into play, there are certain things beyond your control and you made an effort to control what you could, which was showing up as the best version of yourself and having fun. And I think that being able to look at any situation in life as to how, you know, how can I have fun or how can I make the most of this while speaking kindly to myself. And that doesn't mean being naive to any, I don't know, we all sometimes have things we can still work on, but just like combining all of those things into one to have a good experience. I don't know. It just beautifully said. (laughs) I think that another thing that I would mention is competing in the age when physical characteristics were no longer part of the judging criteria made the comparison piece a lot easier because when I'm looking at the woman next to me who is a dancer and advocates for using social media responsibly as her social cause Mm -hmm. and I'm sitting next to her as someone who does a science demonstration and talks about medication safety it's like apples and oranges like they're two completely different things we we are two totally different packages and so if they choose her I say oh my gosh well we're a whole different breed there. Even though we're both young women, they wanted that person. Mm-hmm. But I think that when you look at the, if that physical perspective comes in, that's when you start to question of, well, if I, you know, if, my, if I was a little bit slimmer, if I had more defined abs, if I had, you know, uh, if my makeup was different, if my hair was different, would I have been more successful yeah. rather than really focusing on what we can offer as women. And honestly, a lot of people who are traditionalists in the Miss America program really didn't love that change. They wanted it to be the beauty pageant that it always was. And I think that as we move further kind of into women being really boss women in workplaces, focusing on what we can all offer instead of what we look like is such a refreshing change because women get judged on their looks every day, all the time. We do it all the time. We do it to each other. And so Finally, having a place where we can just say, you know, we're going to provide you a scholarship to go to college and a platform, and we're not going to judge you on your body. We're only going to judge you on what you say, what you say you're going to do. That's like really refreshing to me. Um, But I will say that that made the comparison piece so much easier. And I can't speak to how that kind of competition would feel in the aspect of having that physical characteristic being judged still. But I'm part of the reason I waited to do it. And I'm grateful 
that I competed when I did. Yeah, no, that's incredible. And we've talked to so many women who exist in the body confidence space and the self-love space and some people that find a way to more fitness goals without sacrificing your mental health and all the different ends of the spectrum, but it's been super refreshing and it's been really cool to see such a bigger focus and by no means is the world or society or anything perfect at this, but just kind of like you said that we're shifting a little bit more to seeing women as people as yeah. opposed to just, you know, to being more than a body. And um, I love that you were able to experience it in that sense, because body image is hard. And we talk about it often. And um, we know that you yourself uh, have mentioned that you struggled with an eating disorder growing up, which is a huge reason why you obviously chose to do um, this version of the competition. So how in, in terms of that, because there we have a lot of listeners that do DM us and stuff, since we've had many people that speak about this on our show. How did you recognize at the time when you were struggling with your relationship to food, your body, all that stuff at the time? Um, I think that it's honestly been something that I've struggled with probably for longer than I even really recognized, which I think is true for a lot of people and not just women. And eventually I got to the point where it was impacting my ability to be successful. And I think that that's when an issue really becomes a problem or morphs into instead of just having disordered relationship or a bad relationship with food then becoming a disorder and something that really has a diagnosis because it's it's impacting your your ability to get to where you want to be and for me it started very early in my life but didn't really come to a head and impact me until i got to college and for those of us who have gone through college and had a really rough freshman year that was when it really got to a head for me and I had a really, really rough freshman year of college for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually ended up transferring from my university that I had started at the first time. Went back, did my freshman year, said, I want to transfer. My parents encouraged me to, to give it one more try. Mm-hmm. And I went back and I left in the middle of a semester um, the next year and came home and, and saw a psychiatrist, was going through a lot of different mental health diagnoses at the time. And my relationship with food was part of that and potentially caused by some of the other co-occurring mental health diagnoses that I was going through, Yeah, which is common for a lot of people. But for me, just allowing myself to not focus on that, it was something that kind of infiltrated my thoughts at all time for a long time, letting go of that for a while and allowing myself to focus on what I could offer academically with my career experience was liberating and something that I, I hope that I can continue to do. But one of the things I talk a lot about substance use disorder and what I do, and I can kind of compare having an eating disorder to that because it's, it's these types of invisible mount, mental health disorders that kind of infiltrate our minds in some way. These things just don't go away. <laughs> and that's what a lot of people don't recognize mm-hmm. for those who either face substance use disorders or have an eating disorder. You're not like magically cured one day. You don't like wake up and it's gone and you never think about it again. You go through stressful situations. You go through problems. You go through trauma. You go through a day that's really bad and you want to fall back into those certain behaviors. And it's learning how to cope with those things and how to deal with those things. And really importantly, how to prevent yourself from getting in those situations. For example, for me, if I had put myself in a swimsuit competition, I know where that would have gone. Just wouldn't have been good for me. Could be could be a really healthy situation for someone else. I was that was a preventative measure of me not falling back into bad behaviors. But it's something that I still struggle with, something that I probably always will struggle with. And I think if you get to the point where you say, you know what, I have this relationship with food that maybe isn't the healthiest. Some days are better than others, but other times I'm going to struggle. Just knowing that that's normal can make you feel a lot better when you do have those days when you're just like, okay, this is just a bad day. I'm going to, you know, figure out my coping mechanisms that are healthy and move on. Because if you focus on it so much, it can start to consume you. And that's definitely something I've experienced, but it's nothing to be ashamed of. I think people should talk about it more. And that's one of the reasons why I am very kind of, I I don't like make a huge deal about it, but I'm very uh, public in the way that I do present it because I do think it's important for everyone to know that, you know, mental health is something that we all can struggle with, even if you're Miss America, because a lot of people think I'm a unicorn. They think that I never have any problems. That's farther from the truth than anything. So (laughs) it's, it's been a struggle for me, but it's something that I can manage now and uh, hopefully can for a long time. Thank you so much for sharing that with us and being so vulnerable and honest. And I think that people like you that, you know, people do see as super successful and someone that they look after to be to be seeing not only you living authentically, but being vulnerable 
And of course, nobody wishes struggles on you, but to be just so honest about that, I think not only shows that there's hope that you can, you know, make progress in an area you once struggled with even more, um, but I think just really makes people feel less alone. And that's what we do here. And I know exactly what you mean. I also struggled in a lot of ways. And Julia has been my go-to gal um, for the moments when I didn't even realize I was struggling with these things that you're talking about in moments where I was like, oh, I'm just like super healthy. And I'm like, no, that's, <laughs> that's not it. Um, Cause it's, it's, I think it's one of those things that because health and wellness and all of those things and, and those certain habits are seen so highly in our society that it's very easy to mistake someone being super disciplined when behind closed doors, they're obsessive beyond what you know. So I think you sharing that really brings another layer of awareness to, to all this stuff, because it's something that we're, li- we're honestly, we have so many conversations, Julie and I, where we're like, we cannot believe how many people struggle with, with these things that you would never know, <laughs> you know? Almost, I would say like, at least two thirds of the people that we, the women that we speak to in in some way or another have struggled with some sort of body image discrepancy or mental health issue. And it's so common and it is nothing to be ashamed of. And I want to touch on the piece of your story that I'm really glad that you shared about needing to take a break from school for a little bit, because I think that there are a lot of people who would feel a lot of shame or feel like they're going to be shamed to do the right thing in order to protect their mental health. Mm -hmm. And I am really glad that you shared that piece because it is so important to protect your mental health. Mental health should always come first. And if what you need to do looks to someone else, like you hit a bump in the road or you're taking a step off your timeline or your projection, like do what you need to do to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of times, we said it before, at this age, we're so concerned about how everybody is viewing our trajectory, our timeline, what we're doing. And it's okay to have bumps in the road. Mm -hmm. It's okay to take time that you need to redirect, take rest, whatever it is for you. So I just wanted to thank you for sharing that piece as well, because I think it's really important. I will say my parents pretty much drug me out of there because they saw me going down, um, kicking and screaming. Um, (laughs) So I, because I was afraid of that. I was afraid of people saying, you know, and I had really put myself in the situation where I had gotten to this college that was the best college I had. It was the best college I got into and I went to it and I had made such a big deal with everyone I knew about, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to go to this college. I'm going to go here. It's going to be the best thing ever. I'm going to major in the hardest major that I could find. And then to, to step out of that situation and like really drop out of the university, not drop out, but choose to to unenroll from the yeah, university yeah. and change my path felt like, well, I told everyone I was going to do this. And then I didn't because I I'm really, really stubborn. And like, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And I was like, but I can't not do it. And uh, my parents were like, no, you're leaving. And I'm, I'm glad they did that. I was very angry at the time, but I tell them that I'm, I'm grateful now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it could go for anything too, right? Like it can go for, you know, we know a lot of people who thought they were going to pursue something for their whole student life. And then post-grad realize, oh, actually this doesn't make me happy, but are too afraid to change jobs because they always said that this was what they were going to yeah. do. Where people that are too afraid to leave a relationship that might no longer be serving them like this can this comes up in all different facets of our life and I think it's important to have these conversations to try a little bit our little pieces that we can do of taking the shame out of that that it's okay it's okay to change your mind it's okay to hit bumps and need to redirect I'm learning that that's okay Um, (laughs) I think I think I've proved to myself that that's okay Definitely. And I think it's hard. You can tell, I mean, it's, it's clear that you're very, you know, goal, goal oriented, like high achieving all this stuff. So I think not to say it's not hard for everyone, but I think when you're the type of person that like really prides yourself on doing what you say you're going to do, it's extra hard to ask for help or admit that you need help. Mm -hmm. Um, because almost you don't even believe that you could require more help than you thought you did, (laughs) you know? Absolutely. And it's just like digging your heels in and being like, I said that I could do this. Yeah. I'm going to, even if it kills me, but actually you shouldn't do it if it kills you. Right. (laughs) Um, But that's just always been my stubborn mentality, but I know I'm not alone in that. Absolutely not. Switching gears a little bit. I do want to talk about your initiative for drug safety and abuse prevention. So what, why, why was this cause so important to you and what led you choosing this cause and how, how is working? 
working with it been? Uh, it's interesting because everyone always thinks I have a personal connection to it and I don't. I grew up with a mom that was a nurse who was really cognizant of medicines that I was taking and just making sure that she was measuring things and timing things out so that she didn't give me too much of medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, even when I was sick, I would always get sick as a kid. But then I went to pharmacy school and I realized how complex it is sometimes to keep your kids safe with medicines if you aren't a nurse <laughs> and you're really unfamiliar with how to measure something or give something to a, ch- a child or if you have multiple caregivers in the house or if you're taking care of a parent, that, that could be really confusing. And so that's one of the cool things that pharmacists can do. You get the job to be able to help educate your patients about what they're taking. But even more so, I started to realize really how much substances can have a negative impact on our communities, and namely drugs, prescription drugs and illicit drugs, um, and that there was really an epidemic happening of substance use in our country on the streets that no one was talking about. And it's something that still continues. It honestly has gotten worse with COVID because of the, you know, the isolation, the stress people changing their routines, even as simple as that can lead to more overdoses. And right now about 220 people die every day from just a heroin or an opioid overdose. That's a lot of people. That's a lot. If you think of 220 a day, that's more than usually what's on a commercial airline flight. So if I always say, if an airplane went down every single day, don't you think we hear about that on the news? But we don't because it's stigmatized and people are ashamed to talk about it. People are ashamed to say, kind of like with eating disorders, people are ashamed to to say that they struggle with it or that they have a family member that struggles with it because it's seen as kind of, oh my gosh, this person made such a terrible choice. When in reality, it can even just come from having a prescription from a doctor and it can spiral into something like using heroin. And so I'm really passionate about it. I've gotten to work with the DEA this year. I've gotten to work Uh, I just did a project this morning uh, for the National Institute uh, of Drug and Alcohol Safety, um, NIDA, which is associated with the NIH. And so I've gotten to work with all these wonderful agencies and really talk to people, talk to women, men, parents, people that have lost loved ones, and advocate for those who have struggled with this. Even though I haven't, I feel like I've met so many people that now I can be that advocate for them because there's not a, a lot of really good solid advocates for people in recovery or who struggle with substance use disorders. Um, There are some kind of celebrities that talk about it. Like if you think about Demi Lovato, she's someone who's very open about her struggle. I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to, especially as a future pharmacist, talk about this before I even get into the situation where I'm giving someone a substance. So definitely something that I am thrilled to be able to work on and will continue to work on. And, you know, I talked about how doing this job has helped me with my own career goals. That's been the biggest one because when you're in pharmacy thinking about substance use diversion in the pharmacy types of you know substance control these are all really important topics in the pharmacy profession and kind of gotten a kickstart to to learn about a lot of that on the job when I never thought I would yeah absolutely that's incredible. so important and you could tell so much that your intentions are so beyond in the right place that your energy and your mission and just everything that you do and have done and I'm sure will continue to do has and will impact so many people so thank you for everything that you're doing I'm certain it's Clearly, it's not something we hear about all the time, but it's clear that your voice makes a huge impact. So to ask a few final questions for you, one is totally switching gears. Um, (laughs) Are there any daily rituals, routines, or habits that you incorporate into your days? It's totally cool. If not, just curious. (laughs) I mean, I have a lot. Do we want to go through all of them? Yes, we want details. We want every detail. Um, Okay, it's really funny because I was just thinking about this. I A lot of people have morning routines. I don't. I have night routines. Ladies, (laughs) I have night routines. Love it. Let's hear it. So, I think I'm one of those people that, like, I think you have to set yourself up to have a productive day the night before. I'm a proactive rather than a reactive person. I don't do well reactively, I get stressed out and then I just want to cry. So, every night, (laughs) I joke, but I'm serious. Yeah, no, yeah. We're laughing. No, we agree. I think it's important. Like I make sure that all my surfaces are clean. I'm like really tidy, but I think that like when I sit down in the morning, my desk is clean. There's not a bunch of stuff on my desk. My papers are organized, that my sink is empty in the morning, that I've put everything in the dishwasher and my dishwasher has run, that my kitchen has been wiped down so I can go in, get my breakfast. In an ideal world, I meal prep my food for the week. 
doesn't always happen. Not always realistic, sometimes obsessive, but oftentimes just easier. The biggest thing, and this is so silly, I don't like Keurigs, I don't like Nespresso's, I like a normal coffee pot, but it has to have a timer on it. <laughs> I drink so much coffee, and one of the biggest things that I do every night to make sure that my morning is really effective, I fill up my coffee pot at night, I put in the coffee, and then I put it on the timer so that the coffee is made when I wake up in the morning, and so I can come out of my bed, and my coffee is already hot and ready, Love. and then I grab my cup and sit at my empty desk, and start my day without any stress. I love all of I love that. So I proactive rather than reactive. And it's it's so funny because a lot of people our age, I think, are so into kind of the more designer coffee pots like the Keurigs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. First of all, a lot of waste. That's a whole other piece that's not even – that's a whole other one. But – you can't set that up to, I don't, not that I know of, you can't set that up to be no. hot and ready no. when you wake up in the morning. No, you're not waking up to the smell of fresh coffee. You're definitely not. No, you're not. I, I sit in my bed and I hear the coffee pot brewing and I'm like, oh, it's time to get up. Wow, it's a really <laughs> good motivator to get up out of bed and she smells the coffee. It's a different type of alarm. We love it. it. Is. Well, I need both, honestly. My alarm's like ringing and I'm like, oh, yeah. at least the coffee's made. So yeah. that was one thing I grew up with. My parents always did that. Yeah. And um, even throughout college, I always had a full-size coffee pot and I honestly drink the entire thing throughout the day. Because I sit at my desk and I'm like, have another cup of coffee. But I love it, do it. But I do think that it's so important. Just like kind of if you wanted to tackle a really difficult task, like having a to-do list, having your tasks that you have to get done for the day, do that the day before. Plan it out. So then when you wake up in the morning, you don't have to think. You're like, okay, well, I know the first thing I have to do is this. Instead of taking that time in the morning, just so then your morning's just kind of more chill. If I have a frantic morning, the rest of my day is just not good. So again, just trying to keep the chaos level to a minimum because, you know, I have two cats, I have a dog, so who knows what's going to go on with everybody else. But if I know that my coffee is made in the morning, it's going to be a good day. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, Camille, we just have two little last questions. Absolutely. Before we let you go, you have been absolutely awesome. This has been so fun. Has there been any resource in your life that has helped guide you through your 20s thus far? Could be mm. a book, a person, a podcast, anything that you could share with our audience? If I didn't say my mom, she'd probably be mad. <laughs> I get it. Um, <laughs> my mom. Um, but I think also just bouncing things off of other friends that are my age. One of my best friends is like 29. Mm. And so she's a little further down, but we're academically like kind of in the same place, which is kind of cool. Um, and she has a couple years on me. And so we, we kind of collaborate and she helps me through things all the time. Um, but I think just having friends around you, um, so my mom and her and the internet. The internet's a great resource too. If I'm like, what do I do in this situation? Yeah. Really? Got yeah. to outsource sometimes if you're not sure. Absolutely. Ask for help. Ask for yeah. help for sure. And that's that's so incredible that you have people in your life that you can really rely on and depend on and be vulnerable with. We talk about our our friends being such a beautiful source of like building us up and empowering us. And it's incredible that you have that. If Absolutely. people want to connect with you and follow your journey, where can they do that? Perfect. So on pretty much every social channel, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, all those things, I'm just at Camille Schreier. So my first and last name. And then I also have a website that I will actually officially be launch launching this week, but it is up and running. Yay. And it's just camilleschreier.com. That's kind of my portfolio of all the work that I've done and a great way to get in contact with me. If you want to send me an email, if you want me to come speak at your event or speak to a group that you have, those are things that I'm doing right now all the time. That's what I love to do. And I'll be doing that until I go back to school and maybe a little bit when I do go back to school. So you can reach out to me there as well. Incredible. Camille, thank you so much. You have been so wonderful, so inspiring. This was such a joy talking to you. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for talking about these issues that affect kind of all of us as we go through this kind of transitionary age. And I always joke that we're pseudo adults at this age. Yeah. And eventually we'll get to the point where we can be like, okay, we got it, but we're still figuring it out. Still figuring it out. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's what it's all about being in your 20s. Figure Absolutely. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to Roaring 20s Podcast. Be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe. 
you're never alone. Our pride sticks together. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Roaring Twenties Podcast. You get to start your week with us and end your week with us. With With love, Brenda and Julia.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.